welcome to episode eight of the Online Church Blueprint, your home and your source for all things in the how-to digital church space. Still don't have a good intro for this podcast. We're eight episodes in, and I still just look at a camera and say interesting and weird things. Hey, uh, speaking of interesting and weird things, we've had a number of awesome conversations so far with a couple of really great guys, Mark Lutz from uh, Lux Digital Church and our good buddy Tyler Sansom from Church Anywhere. And actually, Tyler is on the show today, uh, and he actually brought a friend who I'm going to let you let him introduce in just a little bit. But uh, we, the last episode we recorded, so episode, well, one of the last episodes we recorded, episode six, uh, got a comment from somebody who actually listened to the show and wanted to follow up on some things that Tyler had been doing with his staff as lead pastor. And that being the fact that his entire staff was 100% physical and 100% digital. And the the guy uh, who had listened to this uh, had just kind of come over and said like, hey, um, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. And so I emailed Tyler and said, hey, would you want to come on the show and talk about that? And he said, sure. And then he popped into the recording and all of a sudden he had a friend on. I was like, cool, let's do this. The more the merrier. And so what you're going to hear is a conversation uh, that is devoted to digital church, but we kind of take some rabbit trails a little bit programmatically down some discipleship things, some discipleship formation things, uh, some things about baptism, some things of how we're using tech in all of this space, and most importantly, how we are influencing the capital C church and God's kingdom. Now, you may or may not know, but uh, I am part of the amazing Alter Live team, and Alter Live is really the one-stop shop and your source and your home for all things digital church engagement, online church engagement with uh, live stream with you know direct to ultra live streaming with rooms and meeting rooms and uh, <laughs> tables and lobbies and everything that really could turn the way that you are engaging your church in an online capacity not just for Sunday mornings or not just for live events but all throughout the week it can serve as a zoom replacement a church online replacement a Facebook replacement all in one everything is right there so uh, I heartily heartily suggest you head over to alterlive.com. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial. Use all of the things in there. Try it, break it, see what you can do with it. See if your congregation actually wants to use it along with you. Highly, highly recommend that. And also, I highly recommend this conversation that we're going to have with Tyler and Megan. I was giving the countdown there. I skipped from two to one. Actually, I went five, four, three, one, one. So I hope you guys are ready on the other side. Welcome to the Online Church Blueprint, uh, your source for all things how-to in the digital church space. And actually, uh, our good buddy Tyler has brought a friend. First off, before we get going there, Tyler, introduce your friend and compatriot next to you. Yes. So this is Megan Carter. And if you've listened to any uh, online church podcasts before, you've likely heard of Megan or oh, heard yes. the talk. Um, but because of the subject of today's podcast, I asked her if she would mosey down the hall and join me on this one. Mosey, that's a good word. Uh, and you were drinking an energy drink and I remarked, or I asked you if it was a yerba mate and you said, no, we don't do things like that up here. We just got done with staff pickleball. Uh, so explain to me the genesis of that, first of all. And the, I'm extremely interested because we're having a staff fun day, I think in two or three weeks. We're bringing in barbecue trucks. We're doing that. We've got a, we've got a staff of about 100. So we're like breaking down to a tournament. Um, everything is pickle themed. We've got somebody dressing up as a robot with a pickle hat. Uh, we're doing a bunch of pickle prizes and 
all sorts of stuff. Uh, explain to me the genesis of where you guys kind of got your, your fanaticism about this. Yeah, we, uh, we started a staff wellness challenge back in January and quickly realized that all of us are like the most competitive people so that you'll ever meet. <laughs> we had to find an outlet. I suggested tackle football and no one <laughs> went for that. So we, we got pickleball so everyone could play. And we put a court in um, our East Auditorium and play every day for an hour at lunch. I love it. Um, are, are you guys working on like a tournament system? Is there teams? Like, is there rivalries forming? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> king of the court is how we play. So basically, it's first come, first serve, and until you lose. Yep. And um, there's not a, everyone's a rival. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. We're all ultra We all want to win. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I guess the next step is when do the tattoos start flying? When do you guys start getting like giant trophies, you know, stuff like that? When does somebody look at the camera and say, like, I'm going to Disney World, that type of thing? Yeah, well, we have kicked around uh, as a uh, online outlet, uh, maybe doing some form of live streaming these, but probably going like way over the top with cinematography. So yeah. something like that. Yeah. So the what I was in the Genesis meeting for this a couple weeks ago, and my brother and I are going to be announcers. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to do essentially like Rob Riggle and uh, or uh, Jason Bateman and whatever his face from Dodgeball. Um, you know, that type of thing. Uh, I'll be the straight man and he'll be the funny man. And we're just going to kind of go super over the top with it. We've got a couple of cinema cameras we're bringing in. Love it. Um, somebody is actually making a golden pickle trophy and that's going to live in somebody's office and for the six months or whatever. Highly recommend everybody out there listening. If you do have a staff of any uh, that even if you're not that mobile, go buy a pickleball court. Did you guys buy the Amazon kit for like 200 bucks or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. And then we just used like uh, neon tape on the floor yep. to, to make it happen. Yeah, so. yeah. Super, super great idea. Uh, it is apparently the fastest growing sport in the nation, which is mind-blowing to me. LeBron James is invent, uh, investing Crazy. in it. Kevin Durant is investing oh. in it. All those things. Yeah. Well, they heard about us doing it. so <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, what's the sweat level for you guys? Like, Do you feel oh. like you need to oh. shower afterwards? I shower probably two to three times a week here at the church. So. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Cool. It's, uh, yeah, cool. Extra deodorant I, required. I'm like, a, I'm like an ex-ultra um, smack talker. Um, just like, I just, I just crap talk. That's like, that's what I do. And I have to really tone it back. So they're getting like the, uh, the, the eighth of an amount of crap talk of what I would have been in school. And so I'm really, really trying my best not to like revert back into old me. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is like uh, this is there's something biblical about this, though. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not I'm not the same as I used to be type of yes. deal, like your tra- heart transformation. So if you can preach on that if you want. Hey, um, we last time I had Tyler on this, the, the program, uh, we talked a lot about kind of where he was coming from and where the entire genesis of everything that Church Anywhere was doing. And uh, actually, one of the listeners, somebody who works with me in my department, uh, listened to the episode and he came into my office and he said, that's it. All the stuff he was saying, like, that dude's brilliant, all these things. Um, and he was fawning over you, which I was like, all right, dude, like, I sign your paycheck. Maybe don't do that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he... Uh, he, he commented that you, you had, you had made, uh, made a statement that you said your staff was like 100% digital and 100% physical. And he was like, I wonder how that works. And I said, you know what? I'll ask him to be on the show in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about that. So that's this episode today. We're going to talk about staff transitions. We're going to talk about if you do have an established church, how to make your staff you know, move from physical to digital, the hurdles, kind of the roadblocks, and all of those things. So uh, I guess my first question is, 
why? Like, why are you doing this? Let's kind of rehash some of what we talked about in the last episode. Like, why 100% digital and 100% physical? Yeah, we are increasingly seeing a reality that exists both in a digital space and a physical space and a generation that doesn't see a difference between those things. And I would say probably my generation, or like our generation yeah. started that, but it's, it's, it's like significantly increased with Gen Z and, and Gen Alpha. And so um, I don't think that there's a way that we can actually be attempting to help people find and follow Jesus if we're only focused on one of those two areas. Um, and that's been a shift probably what, two or two years or so that we've been doing that, yeah. um, where we've really kind of broken apart our digital team and tried to like in, incorporate elements of digital yeah. into all the other parts of who we are. Uh, and it's simply because that's where people exist now. There's not really like a difference for people. Hmm. Uh, now, Megan, what's your role in all of this right now? Yeah, um, all kinds of things. I am... <laughs> I am technically my title is next steps faster. Uh, basically it's just helping people find whatever their next step is. That looks a lot of different ways um, with baptisms and pairing people together or with finding a cause, something you're passionate about and going in, out and being on mission with that. Um, it, yeah, it just looks a whole bunch of different ways. So I'll give you an example of how we do both digital and physical with what some things you just said. Um, two years ago, we made a decision to pair every person that gets baptized, both here or at a microsite or online or wherever, um, with a mentor for the first six weeks of their journey with Christ. And so Megan's job is to connect these people um, with their mentor, but she has also created, um, it's, it's basically like, it looks like an app. It's, yeah. a, it's a mobile-friendly website. Um, where you get six weeks worth of daily material that you can walk beside your mentor with. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be like an expert of the faith. You're just right. walking together with it. But it's giving people um, like some spiritual formation pieces that are very basic right when they get out of the baptistry and allowing others to be paired together. But the beauty of it is she's doing that through digital means so it can happen anywhere. So if a guy gets baptized in jail, she's got a version of it for that. If a person gets baptized in someone's home, they have a version of it for that. And if they're here, then they're using a different version of it as well. So Now, that's that's brilliant. I want to talk nuts and bolts of that real quick. Is it So th that's something that I think a lot of churches struggle with is asynchronous digital communication. <laughs> How are you managing to let your mentor and mentee, new believer, new baptismal candidate, whatever, communicate? Is it just, hey, here's your phone numbers and text back and forth? Like, how does all that work? Yeah, this is going to sound like a commercial for Monday.com here in just a second. <laughs> oh, I love Monday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I mean, it. it is a lot of different ways. It's whatever works best for them as a pair. Um, that's... we. Because we want to thrive off of that because everyone is unique and each person is going to have a different schedule, have a different way of their life, a different season that they're in. Um, so it really is like with when they're in here, like um, at, in the service and they get baptized, we take them into a what we call the living room. And so we have communion with them right after and then we set them up and tell them, you know, here's your next steps. Here's what we want to do. But then we usually try to have that person who's going to walk alongside with them in the room. 
So then that's that first first initial connection. We give them the resources and say, you know, figure out what works best and then go from there. And then it's still a continuation of like me or someone else like checking up and checking in and saying, how's this going? Are, are you struggling in an area? Do you find things to be easier or harder? What can we help with? How can we help you succeed in that? So the, the um, mobile friendly website is broken down into like a guide mm-hmm. and uh, like a baptizee version. Um, so the guide, it, it's more of like um, things you can ask them about the yeah. content they're consuming. And the version for the person that just got baptized is more just the actual content. So we even give them like the discussion questions to yeah. start asking. And we don't care how they do it. Phone call, meet up in person, text, Facebook message, whatever. Um, but it allows us to be completely asynchronous yeah. with it. Um, and constantly moving. But where Monday.com comes in is that she has a workflow that as soon as somebody is paired with somebody, she gets uh, notifications for when to check in every couple weeks and see how it's going. Yeah, that's great. I use Monday for a lot of my own. That Monday and Notion, they kind of smash together for a lot of my own project management stuff um, and workflows and all that. So have you ever had a candidate push back and say, I don't want to do this, this is stupid? Or is it just kind of an assumed thing that, um, this is what it's going to take. We've never had someone say, no, I don't want to mentor. Yeah. They've always like accepted it, but they don't always put in the work that it needs like, to make that work. Sure. Um, so that's been a struggle in some areas. And then that's really hard on the guide because they're like, well, I'm doing everything I can. And I was like, just keep doing everything you can. Like, you can't force somebody to, to step into this, but, but you're there for them and they know that. So we, I think I may have talked about this last time, but we have like a, we call it an outfitting score, mm-hmm. uh, like an engagement score. And so that percentage is around 30% right now, usually. Um, I would say probably the success rate of the next step guys has got to be somewhere close to that. Yeah, um, okay. So we paired, um, I think it was like 76% of the people that got baptized last year mm-hmm. were paired with the mentor. I would say probably around that 30% number were like, this person is now walking faithfully with Christ, and it is a next step guide for somebody else. Yeah. So in something Just, like that, good. I have nothing to lay that right. against. So. Well, no, I, I think it's fantastic because I think one of the things that happens in church in the church world, and, and we'll get back to the digital in a second, but one of the things that happens in the, the church world is a lot of times there's the fiery like, yeah, you were baptized, or yeah, you said yes, or yeah, you you made a commitment, or whatever, and then it trails off because there's no. It's like, well, hey, we we did the thing and you got the bag full of books or a mug or whatever and have fun, have fun living your life. We'll be here on Sunday. And there's no real sort of walking with somebody after that. A lot of churches talk about it, but there's no walking after that. Um, do your, after somebody gets baptized or baptismal candidate and mentee or mentor, do they continue to have a relationship most of the time? Like, are they still texting and kind of following up with, you, with each other? Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot do. I would say, sure. like, I would say, out of that thirty percent number of the ones that make it, they continue that. I would say about a hundred percent of that yeah. make it. Well, and I think too, like, the goal at the end of that six weeks is to find their gifts and their passions that God placed in them, so that they can get into being on mission, that they can find a place to serve or find a way to help other people find and follow Jesus. So, if they don't stay in contact, hopefully they're connected with another group of people that that would be there kind of for the long haul. Sure, sure. Uh, this is not the Next Steps Church online blueprint. This is the online church blueprint. So I, 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 
I, I find this stuff fascinating. Um, but this, this all blends together for us, though. That's yeah. like that's the thing. Um, well, and, and that's 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 kind of where I'm leading because my next yeah. question is going to be, you know, so you ostensibly pre-pandemic and even before then, you guys had a traditional church, you know, and by traditional I mean everybody everybody was physically based. You had maybe some people that were focused digitally. How long did the transition? How long did the decision take to say, hey, no, we're going to be 100% this, 100% that? Was it a conscious thing, or is it just kind of something that was getting into the lexicon and finally everybody just went? collectively like oh no we have to do this was there a was there an inflection point that's a good question um so pre-pandemic the online team was myself and a bunch of volunteers um pandemic offered us an opportunity to bring in more staff members which is when megan switched from the physical team to the (laughs) digital team and a couple other people um but then it, it had to be when i took over as lead yeah um when we implemented the aisles mm-hmm. structure, when we in- implemented our outfitting structure, that shift happened then. So probably like a little over a year and a half ago is when it yeah. fully went in swing. But we've been working towards it for about two years. Okay. Has there been bumps in the road? Have there been curmudgeons? Have there been people that have pushed back against this? And do you want to name names and call them out right now? <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really funny, and I don't think he'll think it's funny, so I won't say who it is. But we have a staff member on our, our staff that just, like, will not buy into this concept. And it's okay. He's, like, of the older generation. Um, and in, in fairness, his job does not lend well to being digital sure. and physical. But uh, we do a ton of ministry with, like, Google Ads and felt needs resources. Mm-hmm. And we have, since 2018, yep. um, had this this up and running. And um, last week was the first time that he ever looked at the pages and realized that we had <laughs> It's been a weird sticking Which point. Which has been like a l- bunch of my jobs. So yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. So, but for the most part, outside of, like, even even our older people, like our, our, our children's uh, ministry people are ha- averaging like it's like 160 or so yeah. uh, in their family database of email um, responses, which is really good. So the yeah. way that we do that is we, we started something called Parenting Anywhere, and it was an attempt to merge our people here mm-hmm. with people on the outside that watch um, online um, from anywhere in the world. And we give them practical parenting advice, and they send that out like once every week or so, right? Yeah, about that. And right now we're averaging about 160 people that are like participating within that, which is really good. Like a lot of families. Um, So that's like a big thing that they're pushing. Um, Our counseling people on staff um, are older, and but they're still doing a lot of Zoom counseling. So, like, it was easy to get them to jump on board yeah. with counseling people both in person and online. Like, Donnie, uh, he's 64 years old, and he led a dude to Christ That's last so cool. or two months ago oh. from Alaska because of a counseling session that he found awesome. through our resource pages on the, on the Internet. Like, super cool stuff like that. Yeah. So, for the most part, outside of um, just a, a couple people that can't really figure out how they can be both online and in person, it's been pretty good. Um, what is your guys' org structure there? Do you have like, is it pastoral and directors and executive directors? Like how, what's the hierarchy there? Yeah, we, uh, changed that dramatically. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it is elders, leadership team. So that's the three person leadership team, staff. Okay. 
and that's it. Like, um, big wide staff, everyone has a voice. Okay, so that that was going to be next, my next question. Does everyone have a seat at the table in terms of decision making? Yeah, so the way that we do it is, I think we we may have talked about this last time, Andy, but we, we break it down into um, every four months, and every four months we all come together as a staff and in one giant meeting um, lay everything out that we want to outfit our people with the next four months. And um, then we kind of say, like, okay, well, how are we going to do that? Like, okay, family team, you do this. Right. Uh, next steps team, disciple tip team, you get with the family team, do this. And then um, after that, our executive pastor facilitates outfitting meetings to make sure that those things on, we call them aisles, on the aisles are happening. Yeah. What, um, so let's say, you know, pandemic, inflection point, all those other things. What practically then are people's job descriptions? Like let's say you hire a new children's pastor or a children's director or something. What is their what is their role in the physical and digital? Are they having to design curriculum for both? Is it just, hey, it's an understanding that people are going to implement your plan? Like, how does that all feel? That's a good question. Um, let me, can I, can I change it from children's to discipleship? Because we yes. just have somebody. That'd be yeah, the totally. easier one. Because our children's person was like grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah. She's been here for a long time. Um, so our, our new discipleship pastor's name is Matthew. And like from the very first interview, he understood that he was going to have to be discipling people in microsites, discipling people in person, discipling people online. And um, none of those things were like uh, avenues that he had to just stick in and focus on that. We didn't want him to like silo on one avenue. And he knew it was going to be part of a discipleship team and part of a grand team. So, like, in the interview process, we had to go over our entire philosophy of ministry because it's so different. We couldn't just say, hey, we want you to be a discipleship mm-hmm. pastor. We had to say, hey, you're going to be on a team with somebody who's trying to get people into next steps. And you're going to have to do this um, with online tools. You're going to have to do this asynchronously. You're going to have to do this, um, in the, like, with individual relationships because we're not – our goal here is not to design programs. It's to do this relationally. So we had to have all that out on the table from the get-go, which really shrank our pool of people to try to find. Yeah. Like, it's a hard, mm-hmm. it's a hard find um, because that's not really what they teach you in yeah. in like ministry school. Um, and so we found like he's like the perfect dude for mm-hmm. it. But it took us a while to get there. Um, so all of our cards had to be put on the table right off the bat. We had no uh, leverage whatsoever. <laughs> we just had to throw it all out there. Is there so from your elders? Do they understand exactly what you're trying to do here? Um, no, but they understand, <laughs> they understand life change. Um, and they might not understand all of the nuts and bolts of everything that we're doing, but they do understand, um, the results have been incredible over the last several years and they're not going to mess that up. Like they're not going to like mess <laughs> with that at all. So, um, it's really hard to argue with life change yeah. and that's sure. kind of where we're at. Are your elders lay leaders or are they staff or is it a mix of both? Um, they're mostly lay leaders plus me and our old lead pastor, at least okay. through the end of the year. Megan, I want to, I want to ask you like, as you have been, first of all, how long have you been on staff? I've been on staff for about four and a half years now. Okay. So you, you through the pandemic, you were before the pandemic, yeah. you had your feet under the table. Did you, in terms of let's say pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, did you feel a definite shift in your congregation as you guys shifted from more quote-unquote traditional to 100%, 100%. I just keep calling it 100%. You guys can 
I don't yeah. know what the actual term is here, but 100% digital, 100% physical. Did you feel like your congregation was feeling that from your side? Uh, yeah, so I have a weird position that I was in. I started as youth worship leader. Oh. Um, so I told you, I've been all over the place because I started there. Um, I was in children's for a hot second, and then the pandemic hit, and then we stepped into digital. Um, so I don't know how to exactly answer your question, but I will say from, I think when the pandemic hit and everything went digital, like everybody had to kind of be digital for a little while. Um, I think the ones that maybe didn't understand it before started to understand it because they had to live through it. Like they had to experience it. Um, So I think that shifted a little bit and we had already been doing it. So they're like, oh, we've heard of this. Now we experience it. yeah, I think I think it's it's not been for the majority of people they've got on and like and came in with us and we're like, yeah, it's that same life change has happened and they've seen that. And so jumping right in be like, well, yeah, if life change happened, how can we help or what can we do? And that's not everybody, but I think that's a, a big majority of our Yeah, I think I think we have an unfair advantage yeah. because <laughs> we've been doing this a while. Um, so we like we went through the growing pains of like convincing people of the legitimacy of everything not just being a weekend service yeah. back in like 2016, like before you were even yep. coming here, um, before like you were even attending the church here. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and so that was like, it's so hard to think back on that now and place it into yeah. post pandemic world where every got everybody got like their foot in the water of online ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it's been a really like not super hard transition at this point, but it once was a very hard transition. So I don't want to make light of that. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first sermon I think we ever heard when we came was Randy talking about, you know, God gave us the internet. What are you going to do with it? And so we were like, me and my husband and our family, we were like hooked. We're like, okay, mm. like what, what can we do? So, and that would have been really close to that beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so Bay Hope, the church I am, uh, the digital pastor for, we're a, a fairly large church, two to three thousand person church. We've got a staff of eighty to a hundred. Uh, we have a dedicated digital team. It's just a couple of us plus cinematographers and you know video team and techs and all that other stuff that kind of filter through everything else. And our kind of creative team, which is you know encompasses maybe five or six other people. So we have a grand total of about ten people who deal, maybe fifteen people that deal with digital on a regular basis. Everybody else kind of floats in and out whenever they need something. You know, they need to do a Zoom meeting or something like that. So m- my question, and I know the, the guy who asked me to, to kind of talk about this as well, his name's Austin. Our questions would be something to the effect of, like, how do you sell this to people that are not dealing with digital on a daily basis? What, like, what are, the, what are the things I need to focus on? Is it life change? Is it, hey, it's easy to use these tools? Like, where, where do I point them? Yeah, classic Austin question. I mean, I mean he's known uh, for this type of stuff. He really is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is uh, interesting because um, I don't know if you were part of Jeff Reed's um, video extravaganza thing or oh, whatever yeah. it's called. Oh, yeah. But this is actually what I talked about. Um, this was my topic was how to sell yep. this. Yep. Uh, and how to start a movement or something. It was like way fancier than just how to sell something. Um, but I'll give you my four points that I put in that because um, uh, they're right on the, top, the front of my head. First thing is you have to be able to cast a vision, period. Like 
there's a difference between having an idea and being able to cast a vision. And the key that I've learned over the years, and you'll be able to point this out um, at specific times, is that you have to be able to convince people that you're for them hmm. and that they can be a part of something. Um, it's not enough to just say like, hey, look at these cool tools that we can use and look how awesome this is. It's, hey, here's how you can make an impact. And I believe in you that you can do this because that goes such a long way. Um, if you're like the number one cheerleader for someone, you've convinced them it's their idea and it's not your idea that you're implementing. So that's the first thing. The second piece of that is um, you have to be able to also implement that vision. So it's not just enough to cast it. You have to implement it. And that's point two and point three fits right beside of that, which is um, you have to lead from the front. Mm. So the, I liken it and I say this to my staff of like, I want to be the leader that is on the horse at the front of the army, not the guy that's in the back telling other people what to do. Because if I cast a vision, I have to believe in that vision enough for me to personally invest my time into doing it. So if you cast the vision and make sure that the people know you're for them, and then you implement the vision by leading out in front, then you can start to see some momentum um, begin to happen. And then the, the fourth piece of that is multiplying that vision. And notice I didn't say multiplying the amount of people. Um, you have to get to a point where you're humble enough to not be the only person that um, you can, like they can have ideas. Um, and so that's why we restructured our staff because now that they've caught the vision, I want them to also be able to have their own visions and cast that upon other people and lead from the front as well. So that was my four points. And that's, that's how I sold this and that's how I'll continue selling other visions. There's a definite, as a leader, there's a definite fear that comes with releasing your grip on a vision. Um, it's less like, you know, I'm a musician, I've written songs, recorded albums, done the whole thing. And then the second you kind of release those into the world and let people hear it, there's an innate fear of like, oh my gosh, they're going to reject me. But that's different writing music versus vision, casting vision, casting leadership, because there's an innate sort of like, no, this is mine. I want the organization to succeed, yada, yada, yada. Um, how... How much has, I'm going to say, pride and ego and all that gotten in your way of that vision? Not just you, but from everybody all yeah. over the place. Um, Megan's on the staff, so I'll let her answer that. <laughs> good answer, yeah. Reared its ugly head. Um, no, I, from a staff person, you feel complete trust um, from Tyler, the whole leadership team. I think that's one of the most unique things that we have here, too, is um, the failure, one, or like the permission to fail, um, permission to succeed, permission to fail. But like, we're not like reamed if something doesn't work, it's like, okay, let's restructure. How, how can we make this work? Um, so that's been a huge piece because I'm a perfectionist and I hate <laughs> to fail in the first place, but knowing that, well, I can try this and like, it's a good idea. It's a good like place to take this vision too. Um, but if it doesn't work exactly like we wanted it to, how can we make it? How can we shift our focus to get there? So that, I mean, that's been a huge piece. And then like Tyler said, leading by example, he's done that. Um, he's not going to like my complimenting him, but <laughs> he has done that. And you see that throughout everything he does. Like he means that when he says it. So the pride piece of that would be, uh, I, I've, I've worked for a really large church and it was so cool to see so many people come and us do our I Love Our Church weekends and all this cool stuff and then not make any impact in the community because yep. of that. Yep. 
And I had to, I had to get to a point where I think God broke me a little bit. Think of like this is not my kingdom that I'm building. Uh, I have that tattooed to my arm as a constant reminder because my natural tendency was to be like, well, if we did this and this, and then I could write a book and we could do this. And uh, but like, what am I trying to do? Like all I'm all I'm all that we want to do here is get more people to worship Jesus for eternity with us. And that's not our kingdom. And so if we constantly can have that mindset in front of us, it's not hard to release a vision um, because you realize that every person on your team, you hire them to be on the team. We're trying to do the same thing. Uh, we're not fighting against each other. So why not let other people have, uh, have some fun in the party too, you know? Absolutely. Uh, what if your entire church played pickleball with you? Would you then kind of just try to slam them all the time? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you understand how competitive I am. <laughs> I'm the, my, my personality type as a natural tendency. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. I, I really fight hard against Challenger. most most yeah. things except sports. But, like, I, can, I don't need to just win. Like, I, I need to, like, destroy them. Like, that, I, I need them to lose badly. So, uh, yeah, so sports, it's not a good thing for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, last question for me. Be as kind of part of the, the digital forerunners and frontrunners that you guys are um, – where do you see Capital C Church headed in this, in terms of this model? Do you see churches jumping on board with this, or do you see churches kind of fading away? Like, what's where's the bell curve leaning? Can we both answer this? Because I don't know if we'll say the same thing. Absolutely. You want to go first? I've got one, so you go first. Oh, gosh. I Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> That's not a great answer. Um, but I think we've already seen... Like some churches, after they were able to get back into the building, they've like, well, okay, just leave digital out. Um, but then I feel like we've seen some churches really grasp onto this and kind of see that. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Go ahead, yeah. 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 <laughs> so this is uh, longer than you want, but I'm going to give it to Let's you. Let's go. I'm here for it. Um, back in 2018. Um, Barnes and Noble was $18 million in the hole at the end of the year. So they were in the red $18 million. Last year, they had a $30 million profit margin. I don't know if you've read anything about this. Oh, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. It's in the Home happening. Depot thing. Yep. Yeah. So they hired a new CEO. The CEO made like sweeping changes. Um, they stopped taking money from publishers to put people's books in the front and they started hiring people that loved books to stock their shelves. Yep. Um, every book on the shelf that's in the recommended section actually had to be read by the, the people. And they started hiring employees that loved people and loved books. And so it became more of a welcoming relational environment. And last year, Amazon laid off more people than they've ever laid off. Uh, Netflix got a new CEO because they were like bleeding and yet Barnes and Noble is set to open up 36 new stores this year. So uh, this is an online podcast, (laughs) but but I would tell you that things are going to be significantly more relational. That's what I learned from Barnes and Noble. Um, It's not going to like, they didn't stop selling books online. They just changed their model of selling books, period. Um, whether it's online or in person, but they showed the customer that they actually cared about them with their new sweeping changes. And I think the church is going to have to do the same thing Mm. because what's happened over the years is like people don't necessarily feel like the church cares about them. They think that the church cares if they come and be a part of them. 
And there's a huge difference in those two statements. Uh, we just got a letter this morning from a family that we helped out in California who had connected with us. And it, they basically said, this is the first time we've ever felt like any church has actually cared about us. And that, like, that breaks my heart. Um, we've got to get to a point where our customer, our, our um, people that we're trying to reach, genuinely feel like they're cared about. And that can be online and it can be in person. But I think the church is going to die, period, unless we change our model on a sweeping notion. So it's not going to matter if it's in person or if it's online or what technology comes out or what sermon series we preach. It's um, are we living out the Beatitudes? It's are we living out what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount? Are we loving God and loving people? And that's the sweeping change we're going to have to make. And I think that's where church is either going to go or we're going to continue to see a decline. Mm-hmm.